You're listening to the Citrus Church Podcast. Now, here's the message. Uh, This morning begins the first Sunday of Advent. Advent is something that we know from Aldi, who offers to us Advent calendars of chocolate and wine. Uh, But believe it or not, it came long before that moment, too. Advent is a time in the life of the church where we think about the time that Jesus came first, or that God came in the person of Jesus, but it also reminds us of the hope that is to come, that it wasn't a once and for all thing that God will come again to redeem the world, to make all things and all people new. Uh, So we're going to look together over the next couple of weeks at our series called Joyful Noise and uh, look at some of the songs of the season and how those can help us to understand what God is doing in us and around us. Uh, And for me, I don't think I've ever been as excited for a Christmas as I am this year. Uh, I mean, I like Christmas, but I always kind of get, I I get like a little bit twisted up this time of year because I always think it's too soon. The stuff in the store is too soon. It's not Christmas yet. We've seen stuff out for a long time, right, every year. And I always get a little bent out of shape because I'm a pastor and I think we have to do Advent first before we get to Christmas. And I tell people, you know, the 12 days of Christmas starts on Christmas Day and goes afterwards. And I I get all out of sorts. And I found something different taking place this year. I found myself looking forward to the season in a much different, and much more profound way, I think, than I had in the past. And I noticed it on November 4th, November 4th. I remember the day because I was meeting one of our church members for lunch at the French Cafe over in Hamlin. And as we walked in, again, on November 4th, right, and keep that date in mind, as I walked in, I began to hear Christmas music playing on kind of their loudspeaker system. And it just caught my attention because I wasn't even in the mood for it yet, but I liked it. And so I ordered my food, and um, the other person ordered their food, and we sat down at a table, and I was like, you know, did you hear the music? And he's like, yeah. I was like, I don't, I don't know what it is about this year, but I'm excited to hear Christmas music this early. Like, I know this is way too soon, but I'm excited to hear this. And he said, I, I feel the same way too. And we got to talking a little bit about why that might be the case, why that might change this, this Scrooge heart of mine that gets all excited or all out of sorts. And I think it's because Christmas 2020 <laughs> was so bad. <laughs> Can I get an amen on that one? Right? Christmas 2020, if you remember, let me take you back to a very dark period in our lives, right? Christmas 2020, as a church, we were outside for worship. We had just gotten back together for maybe one or two Sundays at that point. And I didn't even think about it, but I thought, we'll light the Advent wreath. We didn't, because the wind never allowed it. For four Sundays, we read the scripture from the Old Testament. We proclaimed the good news. We talked about peace, hope, and love, and yet we couldn't light our candles. And it wasn't just those that were blowing out. It was the tent outside that was blowing away. It was a rough time for that. But it was also a time where we had just come out of a very tumultuous election cycle. Y'all remember this? We were divided against each other, against household, against neighbor. And that was the, the lead up to Christmas. Right. We, we uh, at least last year got to celebrate Christmas Eve. But we couldn't even do Christmas Eve like we wanted. As a church, Christmas Eve is usually a time where we find every seat, every pew, every spot for everyone who will come. And we had to limit it to 50 people. Which when you've got families bringing children, makes for a very small Christmas. 
And so Christmas Eve last year, we had to cut it off when registrations reached 50. We had to uh, try and live stream it, which we weren't doing (laughs) very well back then. And I think the truth is, is that emotionally, all of us were facing challenges. Many of you were probably still furloughed or had lost your jobs. We were facing adversity in our families. We were struggling with our own mental health. And the hope that we look to Christmas for had honestly just been ruined. Christmas 2020, we tried to make the most of it, but it was ruined. It was ruined. And I think that's why I found myself this year singing, we need a little Christmas, right? This Like I kept feeling, I'm not a singer, I'm sorry. But, But I found myself singing these tunes more this year because I think my hope is different this year. I'm hoping for something different. I mean, we're still uh, wearing masks together as a congregation. Uh, If you saw our email, this is the first week where we've even changed for those who are up on the stage that we would take them off if we wished. And so a lot of things are still the same. But I think we're hoping and we're excited because there's something about Christmas that offers us the enchantment, uh, the magic, as we would call it, the whimsicalness. And I believe what we're sensing is not just the excitement of Christmas. I think God is using that excitement as a way to remind us again of the excitement and the hope that we look forward to when we look around and all is not as it should be. And God reminds us to place our hope in Jesus Christ. I think everything that I'm feeling is a reminder to me to put my hope once again in Jesus Christ as the author of salvation, the healer of the world, the redeemer of all that's broken. And if ever there was a more disappointing Christmas than 2020, I think it was the Christmas when Jesus was announced to be born. That very first Christmas that, of course, they didn't yet call Christmas, because in our scripture story that we're going to look at for today, it comes from Matthew chapter 1, and it's Joseph's story. I want to invite you to hear and think what he might be feeling in this moment. So if we'll take us to our scripture, we'll be looking this morning at Matthew chapter 1, beginning in verse 18. And it says, This is how the birth of Christ took place. When Mary, his mother, was engaged to Joseph before they were married, she became pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man. Because he didn't want to humiliate her, he decided to call off their engagement quietly. As he was thinking about this, an angel from the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because the child she carries was conceived by the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you will call him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Now all of this took place so that what the Lord had spoken through the prophet would be fulfilled. Look, A virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did just as an angel from the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife, but he didn't have any sexual relations with her until she gave birth to a son. son. Joseph called him Jesus. And so we hear this story so much, I want to invite us this morning to hear this story with fresh ears. 
I want to invite us back into uh, the, the scandal of this story, into the uh, disappointment of this news for Joseph, so that we might also see the hope that Joseph experiences as a hope that we can carry for ourselves this year. Uh, It begins with uh, verse 18, and it says, this is how the birth of Jesus Christ took place, which we know from manger scenes and from all the nice, cute, fun, warm, whimsical things of Christmas. But the birth of Jesus Christ took place in an unplanned, unhoped-for, unimagined-for way. None of this is what Joseph imagined or thought might happen. You see, at this point, Joseph's plan was uh, engagement, marriage, children, normal life, family lineage. He wasn't trying to make a name for himself. He wasn't trying to make waves. He was trying to do his everyday thing. Provide for his family, start a new life together, and, and put all the pieces together, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, in the way that society had told him was right to put things together. And so the news that his wife is pregnant before they were married, and obviously not with his help, I can't imagine what that must have begun to have caused within Joseph. The whole spectrum of emotions from anger to frustration to disappointment to hurt. And he's feeling all of this and not understanding it. And so he decides to just go ahead and call off the engagement Out of respect to Mary, he wants to keep things quiet. He he doesn't want to make a big thing for himself, for her, for anybody. It's admirable, but in those days and in that town and in that population size, it was admirable, but it wouldn't have worked out that way. Mary would have been the scandal of the town. Joseph would have been the one who was with her, and this would have followed them. That would have been their lineage. And so we began... The, the morning this morning singing, it was the most wonderful time of the year. And it's always amazing to me how we go from where Christmas started with Joseph in this place to calling it the most wonderful time of the year. I mean, Joseph would not have sung that song, right? That would have been the furthest song from his lips. I mean, at this point right here, Joseph is in the dark. It tells us that he goes to sleep and has a dream. And so quite literally, it's a darkness of spirit, a darkness of life, a darkness outside. And all that's circling around Joseph. And he does what a lot of us do when we get too stressed and too tired and and we can't figure out what's going on. Our bodies just begin to crash and to rest. And Joseph crashes into sleep. And we can relate We can relate because in this last year, we faced our fair share, many of you more than most of us, disappointments that we've experienced, plans that we hoped would come to pass, things that we had lined out for ourselves or our family. But because of changes in job and life and moving and this and that and the pandemic, just changed and wiped out all of that. All those things that we had hoped for, that we looked forward to, had been dashed. And of course, it hasn't magically changed. This wasn't one of those things that we've just rebounded from. We continue to feel the effects from this. We we continue to hear news of new variants. And so we wonder, what will the future look like? We wonder, like Joseph, what comes next from this mess? What comes next from this mess? 
But the good news of the scripture is that the hope of life is redeemed. And this verse 20 tells us that as he was thinking, an angel appeared to him. It's funny to me because angels are always signs of good news. And yet every time an angel shows up in the Bible, people are terrified. Right? And yet an angel showed up bringing good news to Joseph. The news is this, that despite how everything looks from the outside, Joseph, the Holy Spirit is at work in you, in Mary, in this pregnancy, in this child, in this community, in this world. He he affirms to her that that Mary is still the plan. Stick with her. Don't leave her. He affirms to him that his son will be Jesus. That might have been the hardest one to get your head around. I mean, I'm not sure how hard it is to get your head around the idea that the Holy Spirit conceived a child. Right on the heels of that, not just any child, but the promised for Messiah. And Joseph's just a regular regular guy. He had gone to... um, He had gone to the synagogue every week, as was the custom. He'd been a part of the religious community. He had heard the same scriptures from the Old Testament that everybody heard. He'd heard the 500-year-old promise of the Messiah, the one who would come to redeem not just Israel, but the entire world. And I wonder if Joseph, like us, might have thought, well, that all sounds good, and never for a minute imagined that any of that hope could have happened to him or through him. I mean, that comes through royal lineages, through people who are important, not an everyday person like Joseph. And yet this prophecy that's over 500 years old, spoken by the prophet Micah that we heard this morning, I want to put that in context. Uh, So 500 years ago this year was 1521. I did my math right. Things happening around that time were Martin Luther being excommunicated by the Pope. I mean, how many of us think about that on a given day? Uh, Ferdinand Magellan reaches Guam in the Philippines. These were the things happening 500 years ago. These feel far removed from today. Are we impacted by them? Yes. Do we think about them much? Not really. And my guess is that all of this was very surprising to Joseph in this moment. But what we see happening here is that hope has not only returned... But when hope returns, it shows up to redeem what has been broken or what has been lost. And I love the idea of redemption. I'm also challenged by the idea of redemption. Because when I lose or break something, I want that thing back. Redemption says, it may not be that, but it'll still be good. So redemption kind of works this way, where we are compensated kind of as a definition. We are compensated for the faults or for the bad aspects of something or someone. Someone or something was lost, and that person or thing can't be replaced. But redemption brings something or someone new through that process. Redemption doesn't always fix everything. I've always loved that line from the song. What it does is it takes, uh, it makes beauty from ashes. It makes something new from something that was broken. And that's what begins to happen in this place here. This is the currency of God. God begins to pay back God's people for all the years of struggle and adversity by bringing redemption in its place. We can't fix 2020. Most of us don't even want to go back there and think about that. 
But what God can do is begin to redeem what happens now and what goes on next. And I think that's where many of us have found hope in the last year, is we haven't seen everything return to normal, but we've seen things and relationships redeemed. We've seen things made new. Maybe it's not the same as it was in terms of our job or our living situation or um, family or neighbors or friends or, or you name it. God can redeem those places. And that's what we see here in verse 21 where it says that Jesus would save people from sins. Our salvation doesn't necessarily fix everything that we've done wrong. There's still consequences and things that have gotten out of whack. I mean, our world exemplifies that we are a world that has sinned and is broken. And we see the consequences of that every day. What Jesus does is comes in and redeems and makes new people and everything else. Jesus reconciles us to God and to each other. And we see all this happen through his life, his death, and his resurrection. And so when we accept the gift of Jesus as our Lord and Savior, it begins to redeem our life and to make us new. So the good news that we have in the world this year is that we can sing songs like it's the most wonderful time of the year. And I encourage us to live fully into what it means to have Christmas this year. You know, sometimes pastors worry about, oh, everybody's going to get all wrapped up in Christmas and we're going to miss the meaning of it. I think this year, if we get all wrapped up in Christmas, we're going to help ourselves point to something deeper. I think the hope that we're feeling and that we're sensing around us this year is pointing us deeper. It's reminding us that God is faithful to redeem God's people. That God will always be faithful to redeem the plans in our lives that have been broken. It reminds me, as it did for Joseph, that sometimes that redemption takes a long time to work out. Joseph's promise that came to life in in his life began 500 years ago. Everything doesn't fix automatically. That's where redemption is hard. But we see a God who always has and is and always will be working to make all things and all people new. So I want to ask you to consider this thought, this question. Where have or where are you seeing redemption spring up around you? Where have you seen hope already this season? Maybe that becomes a question that you keep to yourself as a way of walking through this season of Advent on the journey to Christmas. Where am I seeing hope? How am I hearing stories of redemption? I think about a family uh, at the school that we attend. We go to Keene's Crossing Elementary. And one of the, the teachers there had a son who uh, was diagnosed with a tumor and ended up passing away this past year, a middle schooler, um, just actually a week or so ago. And I think they had some sense that this was coming. They kind of kept it pretty quiet. But then it happened. And one of the uncles of the family went ahead and just set up kind of a GoFundMe and said, you know, I think the family's going to need some help in this time financially to kind of make all the arrangements come to pass. And so they set the GoFundMe for $10,000, right? Obviously, this becomes a time where all that they had hoped for is just shattered, unimaginably. You can't fix that. 
We checked it one day in, just by the time I saw the post and clicked on the GoFundMe, they had thought maybe $10,000. It was already up to $30,000. And the family, just within a couple of days, said, you know, we're going to close this because that's really more than we even need. And so I'm asking us to pay attention to stories of redemption, of stories where everything isn't perfect and glossy and shiny and pretty, but where people come together and help each other in times of need. Where a community says, you know, you have taught and raised our children, and we're going to be here for you. And I think if we can keep our eyes on those moments of redemption and hope, where things are still bleak, and that family's journey is not over, and it's still got a long way to go, but you see the goodness of people, let all those things point us back to God. That's the way God works. Through people giving of their resources to a family in need, of providing meals to others, That's where hope shows up. Sometimes it's hard to see. Those are the places where we find it. And so I love that song uh, that we sang this morning, but I don't want us to kind of do the Andy Williams, that's who sang it, kind of glossing over and pretending like everything's perfect. I want us to look for redemption this year. That's where we're going to find hope. We don't need to cover over 2020, but we can redeem what was lost. And so I want to remind us that as we embrace this season, it is okay to not be okay at Christmas. Because that's exactly the story of Christmas. Joseph had some really good news, and he probably still wasn't okay for a good bit after that good news. In the journey of redemption, it is both joyful and challenging. And I want to affirm that this morning. And so I want to offer us, just in closing here, a couple of ways that we can find hope for Christmas. And I think we can find it in Joseph's practices. The first one here is sometimes we just need to rest. Joseph's spiritual practice when he got this news was to go to sleep. God met Joseph through an angel in a dream. Sleep is so counterintuitive because it means I'm not doing anything to fix the problem. Sleep is an affirmation that I can't do this. I need help. And so when when Joseph goes to sleep, it's almost a way of saying, God, I need you to do something. And that's when the angel shows up. That's when he hears what's coming next. The the affirmations that this is the, the Messiah, that he should stay with Mary. And essentially, he says, the angel says, don't be afraid. So if the first practice is taking time to rest, taking a step back, allowing ourselves that space, the second one that we see in Joseph is an invitation, don't be afraid. That's like, that's like saying you should pray for patience. Like I never tell anyone to pray for patience because it goes bad every time. Right? Saying to someone, don't be afraid, is not very helpful but it's what we need to hear. And we need to say to ourselves, don't be afraid of what we see around us and in us and in our world because we have hope. We are not a people without hope. I also want to encourage you this Advent season to embrace the unknown. A lot of questions were still in Joseph's mind, I'm sure, before, during, and after this experience. And yet God was powerfully at work in that. We might say that was one of the most powerful examples of God at work. And most of that situation was unknown to Joseph, to Mary, to those who were around. 
It is in the unknown, in the places of uncertainty, that we can find God working out redemption. And then lastly, I just want to encourage you to draw near to other people. Joseph needed Mary as much as Mary needed Joseph, as much as they needed their community. Christmas is a time when, because it's, it's a celebratory, but it also has tough times. If you've lost someone, Christmas can be a very difficult season. It's a reminder to us that we thrive in community, and we heal in community, and we are redeemed in community. And so find the people who you can bring around you, who support you, who encourage you, who will tell you, don't be afraid. Who will encourage you to rest and to embrace the unknown. We find redemption when we face adversity, when we face it. When our hopes have been dashed, we can find the hope of Jesus in its place. And all of this can give us strength in a difficult season, and it can invite us to celebrate. And so I invite us to make the most, to dig into this season and all it has to offer, and let it point us towards hope. Be on the lookout for stories of redemption. Share those. Tell others. Tell your children. Tell your friends. And that becomes an opportunity for us to share the good news. Thanks for listening. Make sure to visit our website, citruschurch.org. If you found refreshments in this message, share it with a friend. And hey, God loves you.